But what I started noticing was that they, there was a real absence, and once again, it's no one's fault, it's just the people I was talking to and continue to speak to now, fantastic at what they do, but don't have a really good grasp of their business to the level they need to in order to get the outcomes they want. But what I started noticing was, there was a real lack of understanding of how to actually monetize your leads coming through and understanding like how much you should be making per inquiry. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, when we think about life, the most successful people have built systems, systems or routines or structure so that they can have the discipline to do the things that they need to do, plus sort of replace themselves. Why do pilots have checklists? Uh, Or why do they have a systems checklist? Because then they know that they're going to fly safely. Why wouldn't we do that for our life or for our businesses? And so today's guest, Tristan Bond, started as a physiotherapist and then very quickly found out that practitioners, especially in the healthcare field, uh, really didn't have business systems and certainly not marketing systems or sales systems to grow their practice and have a successful quote unquote business. So uh, Tristan has written a book called Practice Acceleration, but it really has a lot of business principles in it. And we're gonna be talking with Tristan today about these contents and he brings a lot of energy from Adelaide, Australia. So join me for that show. Now, one of the things that CRG does, as well as just about anybody else, is around a system for the people side of your business. That is where you have assessments and tools that create a consistent, measurement of where people are at, what their preferences are, what their values might be, what their leadership skills might be. And that system is there in the CRG assessment. So CRGleader.com, you can find out more about them. Now, in the meantime, we also have a system for you, and that is for you to get clear about your purpose in life. And that is our brand new e-course called the Quest for Purpose. And it's in the CRG Academy at CRGleader.com. Go to online courses and you'll uh, learn about the content of that course, which is a system, which is a process for you to get clear about your direction in life, your priorities in life, your why, your values. And so we use assessments, but also journal with structure and questions so that you can get clear about your direction in life. Now, if you're clear, but you know somebody else who's not, then it might be a great kind referral on your behalf to say, here's something that can assist you to get clear and find out your why and your direction on life. So as always, thank you for being a Secrets of Success listener. If you like what we're doing, please pass it on, leave a positive comment on whatever platform you're listening on. So here's today's show with Tristan Bond. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, we have the pleasure, and it's interesting, you know, today's world, there, there are no borders, there are no countries, there's just the globe. And so here I am sitting in Vancouver, Canada, while we introduced you to Tristan Bond from Adelaide, Australia. Tristan, welcome to the show. Hey, Ken. Thank you for having me. It's uh, my pleasure to be here with you. 
Well, you know, we'll get into your business and your practice acceleration and how you help business owners and, you know, coming out of the healthcare profession. But we want to hear your story about uh, now, was Adelaide always been your home or or were you did you grow up other parts of the country or what's your story? Actually, so I've moved to Adelaide. It's um, Adelaide's definitely my home now. I've been here since I've been 12. And I'm 40 now. I'm, I actually grew up in the country in an iron ore town called Wyala. It's like a town of 23,000 people. And uh, I came to Adelaide when I was 12 and uh, did a year at boarding school up here. Like it's a, Adelaide's the capital city of South Australia and there's just obviously better education available in the cities. And uh, I did a year of boarding school in Adelaide and then um, my mum moved up to uh, raise myself and my two sisters and the following year because they were also coming up to go to um, private schools. So she moved up and looked after us, and I've been here ever since. So it's definitely my home now. And uh, oh, I've, only, I've only lived in those two places. Now, the first place, where where's it help me geography sort of lay, how far away from Adelaide is that where you were born? It's like northwest, um, 409 kilometers to be precise. 409, like, uh, not 10, yeah. not 11, but 409. That, yeah, if you go 410 or 411, you're going to shoot straight past it. You'll miss it. Well, well, um, very well. Yeah, we don't want that to happen. But yeah, it's a, like a four-hour drive. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like a, I mean, it's a lovely place. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity to have grown up there. And um, But yeah, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a small town. And yeah. Um, I'm really grateful that I, my parents worked hard to give me the opportunity to move out so I could uh, further my education. Excellent. Well, I grew up in a town of similar size, and now it just grew up uh, being close to Vancouver. So I get that. So what you did know, your parents do? So um, my dad, actually, he owned an accounting firm, which he bought off his father. He bought off his father when he was 23. And um, he grew it, and it became um, quite a large firm. And uh, they have like 7,000 clients they were serving in uh, the rural areas of um, all the neighboring towns. And uh, my mum was an industrial chemist at BHP, which is the local steelworks. And so she was um, a chemist there. And then when she had, like well, the three of us, then she stopped working to, uh, to serve us and to look after the family. Well, so a pretty smart mum. Yeah, absolutely. That's with her. Yeah, all. yeah. you know what? She's got a lot of posture about her. She's definitely the one in the family you don't want to get on the wrong side of. Well, if you mess with her as a young kid, she could have put something in her lunch kit that could have exploded. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Or, 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 or a slow-acting agent that might cause even more grief down the line. Exactly. Gets you expelled from school. I've never had somebody who's had a mum like that before, but there you go. It's the first time for everything. Well, yeah, Tristan, cool. so you, you went to boarding school in Adelaide. That's uh, right. Where did you go after that? So after that, I went to university in, uh, in Adelaide as well. I went to the University of South Australia. I'm, I am always had this passion for sport. I played a lot of sport, a lot of tennis, a lot of field hockey. I know that you're probably into ice hockey. In fact, um, I went and watched a Canucks game over there on my honeymoon. Um, it was amazing. Yeah, you were here on your honeymoon and you didn't call me? Like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I am. No, I, I didn't. Well, I wish I knew you back then. I would have called you for sure. But um, I, had a, I had a really great experience. And I, I watched the Canucks play against, I think it's the Bruins. Is that it? Like the, the Boston it, Bruins, for sure. Yeah, so they don't like each other very much. Um, uh, not I, at all. Not at all. So, it was the team that we lost the championship to many, many years ago, and then we destroyed our city after that, created a riot. Uh -huh. 
because Got we it. didn't win. We were sore losers for sure. Well that, well, that would make a lot of sense as to what was going on in the crowd. Um, but um, it was a lot of fun. So I played a lot of field hockey and a lot of tennis, and I started getting injured a lot during those years, like 13 to 18. And um, so I started having a lot of exposure to uh, medical professionals to help me recover from injury. And in particular, I really liked physiotherapy or physical therapy, like um, we refer to a lot over in um, Canada and the US. So I started, I fell in love with physiotherapy. Mm. So uh, I decided that's what I wanted to study when I went to university. And um, I was lucky enough that I um, secured myself a position. And so I, I studied here for four years to become a physiotherapist. And that's kind of how my story or how my journey started. Oh, super. Well, just a sidebar, my uh, sister is a physiotherapist. Oh, wow. So uh, she's 50, 50-something. 50 so uh, we have one in the family as well. Now, did you focus, focus on um, sort of sports industry in, injuries, or did you really sort of be a general practitioner at that time? So when we're all educated, obviously, it's pretty general. But um, when, I, when I completed university, I went straight into the private sector to specialize purely in sports. Okay, or in sports and orthopedics and also headache management. So like spinal stuff, um, necks and backs, um, more high-level athletes, and then um, chronic persistent migraine and headache. So it was quite mm. specialized. <clears throat> well, as a health professional, I have a diploma in nutrition and genetics, and we have a wellness assessment we have in our company. So this is kind of going to go in a different direction than you might have thought. Uh, because Bring our listeners, on. we're, we're going to get into the business coaching that you're doing now and how that all unfolded here in a minute. Right. But for the listeners, a lot of people do have problems with headaches and migraines. What can you um, share with us some insights about what's causing this for some people that you, you've seen in your practice? For sure. So um, obviously, it's like you've got to be super appropriate about who you manage for headache and migraine, first of all. And um, and I'm stretching back a little bit now because I haven't practiced for almost 10 years. But um, what I what I did notice was that um, if you if someone reports to me just in, like anywhere out and about in a cafe or whatnot, someone's got a headache. Like I can say within 70% certainty, like 70% of the time, it's going to be neck related. Um, and it's pretty straightforward to actually do a, an assessment to establish whether there is that's the sole cause or at least a contributing factor. And the good news is you can get some incredible relief. Um, and I, I don't think there is enough awareness out there. I think there's way too much uh, abuse of medication to solve uh, migraine and headache. And um, I, so I used to really enjoy helping people with that. And then when you think about your sports inju injuries, yeah. What are some insights for those of us that are out there and, you know, we're playing sports and we get injured? What are some of the preventative things you would teach people? Uh, yeah, I know it's 10 years ago, uh, mm, but yeah. what, are, what are some insights there that say, okay, you know, if you do this, this, and this, this really helps to mitigate or lower the chances of injuries for many people? Yeah, so that's a good question, and I, I don't really have all the right answers there other than to say that like, it's frustrating because I know a lot of people that I used to work with would do everything they could imagine, everything we prescribed to prevent injuries, and then they'd still become injured. So um, my, my advice to people would be just to get in the best physical condition that you can be, and you're going to be far less likely to, to become injured. But um, due to the nature of sport, like you know, repetition, you know, high velocity, impact, um, changing direction, there's always a high risk of injury, but the, the best thing you can do to prevent that is to be in really fantastic physical health to start with. Okay, well that makes common sense for sure, doesn't it? Yeah, it's common sense, exactly. Well, I want to circle back. You said you had your honeymoon here. What does your uh, wife do? Uh, she's a dietitian. 
Oh, well, there we go. So in the family, we are connected for sure. Uh, yes. and, and that's going to affect your health. Is she still practicing in that profession? Or yes, she's, she's still practicing. Okay, excellent. Excellent. So there was a bit of a journey in your practice, Tristan. So you said you haven't practiced sort of physically doing the job for about 10 years. That's right. How did that come about of getting into physiotherapy, getting into the sports sort of uh, arena, uh, pardon the pun, and then kind of moving into this whole business coaching side. So tell us how that happened. Right. So my, my mind's kind of flooding with the ideas. So I'm just going to like throw them, throw them out and get them out of my mouth. But, um, so I was working, like I worked in Wyala actually, I went back to the country. My dad still was living there and he lives now in Adelaide, but I moved back to Wyala to live with him and get some really great, um, sport experience when I graduated. And uh, so I worked there, then I came back to Adelaide and I worked in a number of private practices, but I was at this one practice when I was around 23. And I just went into this uh, Entrepreneur of the Year Challenge, which they're running in Adelaide. It was a, a, nas- a national competition. And uh, I had this idea around um, introducing a, a systematic way to market and grow healthcare practices at scale. And we made it to the semifinals, and I thought this idea had some pretty good legs. And um, I presented it to my boss at the time, and um, he, he wanted me to become a business partner there with him, but he didn't want to apply any of my principles. And, um, you know, what, I mean, what would I know? I was only 23 and he was 40 odd and had been very successful. So um, I understand that he had a different perspective to me. But, but nonetheless, um, I couldn't get it out of my head that if these other experienced entrepreneurs thought my idea had legs, then I really need to test it out myself. So um, I had this opportunity to buy into that practice. Ironically, I'm still very good friends with this guy now, and he's actually practicing um, less than 500 meters from where I'm sitting right now. He's a lovely guy, and I still send people to see him. But um, So I left, and I wanted to test my ideas for myself. And um, I didn't know what to do. I had no idea other than I had this idea, and I thought that um, you know, I've got a lot of hustle, and I've got lot, I'm willing to grind it out. And mum rings me one day and says, I've been looking in the paper, and I've found a room for you to hire, and why don't you check it out? So I went and met with this lady called Tracy Borden and um, she was she had like a one clinic set up and she had a lease. She had not been successful in business and she was very frustrated and she wanted to go and work at the hospital and she basically just pleaded with me to take over her lease. And uh, so here I am going, well, if I take over the lease, I've got expenses, but I've got no income because she literally had no patients. She had two patients on her books too. And wow, um, like overwhelming amount of patients. Yeah, like she was, yeah, she was just really struggling and she's, her, honestly, like she's a wonderful person, a great practitioner, but uh, she was just more suited to working for someone else. And so I took on this practice from her just because I thought, you know what, let's just do this. I'll just take it on. I've got this lease. Uh, I've got no patients coming through. And she, um, she said, I've, there's a football club that I've kind of got an affiliation with. If I introduce you to them, and you get along, maybe you'll get some patients there. I was like, you know what? That's good enough for me. I'll sign. I'll just give it to me. And so I, I took on the lease. And um, so, yeah, was, are you still 23 at this point? Um, at that time, I was 23. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So where where did you get the chutzpah to do this? The courage to kind of, you know, you're young, testosterone filled kind of young guy. Um, yeah. Where did you get the courage to kind of say, let's just uh, commit my life to this lease here? 
Yeah, I don't, it's pretty scary. Actually, looking back on it, I wonder where I got it from too. Um, but um, I've always been pretty driven and pretty ambitious, and I'm not exactly certain where that comes from. Like my um, with my dad owning an accounting firm, a lot of our uh, you know our family conversations are centered around finance for um, every meal for as long as I can ever remember. Um, so I've been kind of exposed to business, but I wouldn't say entrepreneurship because it's more a business than being an entrepreneur. But I've always been very driven. And I'm not, so I'm not certain, but I'm, I've always just felt this burning desire to get out there and make something happen. So I just thought I can, I, I just backed myself in. I thought I'm going to make it happen. Great. Continue. Sorry, I interrupted the flow of your No, story. not at all. Not at all. So I, I took that on and, um, you know, like, but I had no cash flow at all. So what I did was I start, I took on a locum role where I would work two days a week to generate cash flow so I could pay for my rent. And then that way, everything above that, I'd have my expenses covered and that would be my wage. So that's how I thought I'd do it. Like I saved up, like I realized, all right, when I was going to do this, I started thinking about it in advance and I was like, all right, cool. Well, I'll just save three months of cash flow first. That way I can give this a red hot crack for 90 days without being stressed out. So I saved 90 days of cash flow working for the other fellow, James, the lovely guy I was telling you about. Um, I took on the lease and then I locumed and I, what I thought would be for 90 days and it ended up being around six months because um, it did take longer for my practice to take off. So I started doing that and uh, while I was doing it, I was, uh, obviously I was practicing all the principles I'd learned at all these other businesses and how to grow and that was all based on uh, really, and to be honest with you, just like pressing the flesh, so to speak, like getting out there, trying to meet people, trying to win referrals. And it felt like I was um, some sort of cold caller or salesperson. And uh, I've I, never didn't... known a physiotherapist to ever do that. Yeah. Oh, to go out and meet people? Well, yeah, to go out and try to uh, connect with a network for potential business. Yeah. Well, that's what I was doing. I was doing it flat out. And um, yeah, but I'm ultimately down, like at the end of the day, I'm an introvert. And I found that very uncomfortable. And so what I started doing was started researching a lot more of like Dan Kennedy's type stuff and learning how to do copywriting. So I started writing my own ads. And I still remember like this is the exact moment when I was like, I think I'm going to sort this out. Um, and I wrote this ad and I took out the full page of the full back page of the paper. Um, I spent $3,000 on it. And I think I had uh, 3,400 in my account at the time. And I knew like how many patients I'd need to book in to break even on that and then how many I'd need to make a profit on it. And I ran this, my first ever piece of copywriting, which I've got it up on the wall here somewhere. And um, I remember getting 11 patients from it, enough to make me uh, two and a half times my money back. And I remember watching my phone the whole time. It was on my mobile phone and thinking to myself, all right, once I get to um, four patients, I'm going to break even on this. And uh, I remember watching like that fourth one click through and I was like, oh, thank goodness, I've broken even. And then when I got to five, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I wonder what might happen. And I got to 11 and I was like, wow, um, this, I wonder if I could do this again. And I started becoming quite obsessed with marketing and copywriting. And so that was kind of my first step into entrepreneurship. Where I'm like, I think I'm going to make this work and I can do it my way without having to go out and uh, beg for business. And then it was around that time too, Google AdWords was starting to appear. And what I noticed was that no one else was actually utilizing Google AdWords. And I'm, as luck would have it, I had this meeting booked in with an orthopedic surgeon, um, maybe once again, like four or 500 meters from my office as a local hospital. And I had a meeting with this orthopedic surgeon. And I went down there and I met with him and I spent a good hour and a half with him. 
where I listened to him talk about himself and why I should refer to him. And it was like a standoff because obviously I'd love to refer to the guy, but I'm trying to grow my business. I don't really have anyone and I want him to refer to me. So it's like, well, how do we help each other out? And um, we got along really well, but I left there going, that's another hour and a half of my life. And he's not growing and I'm not growing as a result of this. It's got to be an easier way. And, but when I walked back into the office, this most amazing thing happened where the, my team reported to me, during the time I'd been away, we booked in three patients from the Google AdWords that I'd created that morning. And I was like, so hang on, I've been at this meeting for 90 minutes, wasting my time basically, and during that time I generated three leads online for 50 bucks, and I'll make 700 bucks back per lead, presuming that, I, you know, that we actually can service them appropriately. So $2,100 for a $50 spend. I'm like, how much can I spend? Like, what, what can I, where is this going to scale out um, on Google AdWords for my local area? Um, so that's kind of how it started. And uh, so I was optimizing Google AdWords for North Adelaide. And then I started getting into SEO. And then I thought, well, I can't really SEO based on my location with Google's rules for neighboring suburbs. But maybe I can outbuy my competitors with Google AdWords. So I just started drawing circles around my suburb and started out buying every single area, knowing how much money I had to spend to acquire patients. And um, pretty quickly we started growing um, due to my obsession with numbers and uh, my, my, my love for marketing. So uh, physiotherapist becomes marketer and uh, backs up with dad's numbers. You got it. Exactly right. Like it's funny, like I was sitting there with dad one day at dinner and we're just talking about like physiotherapy businesses and we're sitting there and he's like, this is crazy. Like can't your colleagues and friends and you know, even your boss who I was working for at the time, can't they see this is just a matter of you're buying a lead for X amount. You need to know how much money you make for every X you spend. I'm like, no, they can't get it. He's like, what is going on? What is wrong with these people? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. So for me, it was always like, you know, I know the cost of acquisition. I know how much I need to make back. I just need to now generate a system for which patients should I attract that I want to, that I number one, want to work with, number two, are highly profitable, and then develop a sales system to ensure they follow that recommendation every time so that I'm making a predictable level of profit. And then I just need to keep an eye on my acquisition costs and I'm done. So that's what I did. And um, so that was, I got super busy doing that. But then I almost burnt myself out, and um, I talk about this a lot in my book, but um, I was really busy doing it all by myself, and I was doing well, or very profitable, but I was the one-man band. And uh, my challenge then was obviously to um, learn how to lead people, manage people, hire people, train people, and uh, that's where I, I realized that not everyone thinks or acts like myself or yourself can. And uh, that was a really big journey of learning. And what I love about training people and sales and marketing is all based on human psychology and interacting and engaging and learning and being interested in people, which I very much am. So I am, I actually love the, the leadership side more than anything else now because it's just so fascinating. But um, that was my next step. And uh, in my book, I talk a lot about the strategies around you know, how to market, how to sell, but also how to manage. And there's just very, there's some principles that I came across that um, it's almost like a clinical reasoning pattern as well. It's so systematic, such a framework. And uh, we share this not just with healthcare businesses, but with um, you know, all my colleagues are also entrepreneurs and they find it tremendously effective. But um, that was my journey there. So I, um, I, I, I took myself out of the practice within 12 months of developing this model and I had it running without me. And um, it was around that time um, I had a business coaching company approach me 
and started asking me to work for them. And I thought, why would you do that? Uh, I didn't know I was doing anything different to anyone else. So they asked me and I started doing it and I just loved that and an entirely different level of passion compared to the physiotherapy side because I was able to talk about marketing and sales and leadership all day every day. It was just a dream come true. So I did that for 18 months while I still owned my practice. The practice was doing really well. I was getting um, like a, an active assisted cash flow. I don't call it passive cash flow because I still had to oversee the management of my managers. So active assisted. And then 18 months later, an opportunity to buy into that coaching company. And I, um, I opted to not do that because I was still developing my own frameworks and they were very rigid in their ways. I did not want to change or evolve. And I was loving the internet. I knew that Facebook, in my opinion, was going to be the next big thing. Um, and thankfully that turned out to be true. And uh, who knows what the next big thing is, by the way. I'm hearing a lot about Clubhouse. But in any event, I, um, I left there. What year was that? Oh, goodness. When did I leave there? So I started, um, what was originally I started as the HBC group, Healthcare Business Consulting Group, which is now Practice Acceleration. I started that in 2010. So I was working, I started my practice in 2004, and then I was hired as a consultant to work for this other company in 2007. Does that sound about right? 2007? No, it must be 2008. 2008. So in 2010, I left and set up for myself from scratch. And it was like I was a startup all over again because I couldn't take any clients with me. And of course, I wouldn't because that'd be um, a breach of my agreement. And uh, so I went back into copywriting again and started writing long form copy in um, like mail drops and so on. And then also in, in local magazines to generate leads. And uh, then I was up and away. So I was, I was doing that. And then once I got that to the point where I could replace all the income I was making from my physio practice, I then sold that so I could focus purely on my, on my coaching company. And um, that was a game changer because, you know, as they say, if you chase two rabbits, you catch none. But once I could put all my focus into the coaching company, we, um, we really started to take off on a totally different trajectory, which was really exciting. Mm, cool. So uh, I want to back up a second. You mentioned Please. a name, a colleague of mine who, you know, I've met different times and that's Dan Kennedy. How yeah. did you, you know, not everybody listening to this show would even remember Dan. Uh, Dan's got to be 70 something now. Uh, yeah. How did you come across him? Um, I have a, like, I mean, I've got a good network of friends that were in entrepreneurship by this point, And um, it was a, a guy that I was really looking up to. And he just said to me, look, I think you should really start checking out Dan Kennedy and Frank Kern. And um, I love both of their stuff. And I've since had the opportunity to become um, friends with Frank and I've worked with him on a personal level. And uh, Dan Kennedy's stuff, you know, like he's just one of the best of all time, isn't he? Like I just love, I just love his stuff. He's such a clever guy and um, I love his principles. So mm. I started checking him out and I started researching more and more about copy and um, Copy is such a tough art. Thankfully, I don't write any more copy anymore because my mind is too stretched running this company um, and we use other copywriters. But um, I've got a lot of respect for Dan and um, yeah, he's, he's an incredible guy. Well, congratulations on using him. And of course, I was connected to and attended Jay Abraham way back when. Oh, wow. Too, in the 90s to one of his three-day events and I think it was important. I can't even remember. So uh, where it was, but hanging out with, with him in his couch up uh, on the stage and just having the hot seat and all that kind of stuff. So oh, that's cool. Uh, 
so congratulations on that. So here you Thank are, you. a physiotherapist turned copywriter. How do you think that happened? Oh. Where, where did this? Where did that evolution come from? I mean, obviously you through necessity, that, really. But um, go ahead. Yeah, through necessity. Like, um, well, I mean. I'm, I'm, I don't know the answer. This is why I'm probably going to be quiet. But um, I knew that I needed to get leads. And I knew that the way to get leads was not by sitting and hoping for referrals. Because I, am, I can sit and close my eyes and hope as much as I want. And I can't double my business through hope. So I needed an active way where I could predictably generate lead flow. And I knew that the way to do that was by understanding like, how to monetize ads. And I didn't know how to do that. So I started looking into it. Like I ran a lot of ads that tanked. I'm like, why is that? Like I'm running an ad, like, you know, I'm doing discounts. Like I didn't understand copy at all or even the structure of an offer. So I just studied it. Um, I hired a copywriter to write one ad for me. And then I compared that to what I would have done. And I just practiced and practiced and practiced. And I just became quite obsessed with it. So I just, like for me personally, I just realized I've got to have a system where I can have a turnkey of I run an ad, I make money, um, or I will never have control of my company. So, yeah. and that's the principles we teach to our clients now. Is like, you can rely, like referrals are amazing. I love referrals, um, but you can't rely on them. I mean, you can't scale them. It's, there's no predictability there. Like you've got to have a number of different platforms to advertise where you can actually, to, to the largest degree possible, have um, optics and predictability and then sustainability so that you can grow with scale according to your plan. And then, so that's why I love digital, digital media now because I've got a lot more control using my skills over those platforms. Mm. Uh, congratulations on that, on, no, on you, doing it. Thank you. So you, you, so you started sorry, your own sorry, coaching you business. Yes. Uh, tell us what, how did that sort of evolve as far as what you were doing for people? Were you just were you helping people around the marketing side? Was that really your focus, or or how did that unfold? Is it really? You know, um, I thought it would have. I did think it was going to be the marketing side that I was going to be helping with, um, because that's where I could see like the biggest growth area had been occurring for me. But what I started noticing, and so I started working first of all with physiotherapists because that was the business that I'd come from and then um, into other related business like chiropractic, podiatry and dentistry and so on. And, and now we've worked with pretty much every niche there is and is far flung um, right as equine osteopaths. So, and everything in between. But what I started noticing was that they, there was a real absence. And once again, it's no one's fault. It's just the people I was talking to and continue to speak to now Fantastic at what they do, but don't have a really good grasp of their business to the level they need to in order to get the outcomes they want. But what I started noticing was there was a real lack of understanding of how to actually monetize your leads coming through and understanding like how much you should be making per inquiry. And so when I started playing around with that, I started noticing there was breaks in the chain everywhere, like um, poor lead conversion, for example, um, the absence of an appropriate conversation to book someone in from a phone call. Um, the, the absence of the actual appropriate conversation in the consulting room to make the right recommendation in order to book the patient in for the number of uh, repeated visits or the service type or the product type, which is really what we're talking about is sales. So there was a real lack of sales skill. And then I'd approach it in a very soft way because my clients being healthcare professionals, they don't want to sell. They don't want to come across as being salesy. So I really had to teach them 
like this process that I had developed in how to sell without coming across as a salesperson and have your patients be delighted about it at the same time. So I am, I thought I'd be teaching a lot of marketing but I ended up just teaching a ton of sales and we find, we found that we could double, double, even triple clients businesses by teaching them how to sell properly. And then we would start teaching them how to market. But um, even now, like a lot of my clients don't even need my marketing stuff because we focus on that and they just explode. So that was really fascinating to me because I did not know or expect that to be the issue. Um, but hey, I'm, I'm pretty glad that it was because um, you know, I, am, I enjoy teaching a human interaction, um, which, which is how you sell, as you would know, but um, it's not salesy and I love teaching that. So I was delighted that turned out to be the case. Well, if you think about it, I got to meet Michael Gerber personally when his book oh, wow. came out. Way back in the 90s, KPMG, accounting firm, uh, yes. sponsored him to travel around North America to speak about his book tour. Amazing. I met, I met him personally in Vancouver, and then we actually had some interactions after that. That was many, many years ago. But that's what you're talking about is as, as practitioners. Yes. I was uh, trained to do dentistry or to do physiotherapy, but yes. business ownership, unfortunately, most of the schools don't help them out, do they? No, not at all. Like, uh, like they're really, it's fascinating. And um, one of the problems I see is in a client now, like if I have a conversation with someone today, they would say, hey, I'm talking to you because I want to get better at marketing so I can attract better quality people. I'm like, what sort of people do you want? They're like, well, the sort of people that want to get treatment. So I'm like, so you want people to say yes to you? Like, yes, that's right. And the people right now are not saying yes. I'm like, well, what if I just show you how to get them to say yes? And they're like, oh, well, that could work. I'm like, why don't we just do that? And then we can market for more people too. And what they typically find is that is they don't have a structured conversation to monetize their, their services and their skill set. So with that, let's just kind of delve into that for, for a bit Please. now. First, before we get into it so that we don't lose track of the audience per se, is uh, what is the name of the book that's an Amazon bestseller that people can look you up about? The Practice Acceleration Method. And I've got a link somewhere. What's the link, Anthony? ThePracticeAccelerationMethod.com. I should be able to remember that given that's literally the title of my book. So I'll make a mental note for next time. Hey, uh, that's fine. Uh, I'll forgive you. It's not a problem. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> As I smile and smirk with it, hey, when you're busy, you're busy. So PracticeAcceleration.com and find out more about that in, yes. in your book. But when Thank we you. think about uh, the work that you're doing with business owners, yes. what are some of the discoveries you're finding out about them that's missing? So you're going in and doing coaching. I'm now asking the question, okay, uh, here are some of the things you're discovering as themes, as kind of a common element that is, I don't want to use the word deficient, but they are, the, the business owners or practitioners are missing. Yeah, I mean, it's such, there's such a broad range of uh, things that are missing. Um, so it, it comes down to one of three areas, really, when we look at it. So there'd be a, an area where the marketing could be better or could be better optimized or is deficient. Like the, um, the lack of understanding of, firstly, the need to actually have a marketing system that goes out continually. So there's a, that, that's the first problem. Um, second problem is the lack of a, of a sales process. And I, I call it a sales process because it is. I don't want to hide behind the reality of it. 
but we call it non, non, non-salesy sales. So the, the lack of a sales process in order to actually convert an opportunity into a, a paying patient, which they know they can monetize at the required level in order to hit their profitability goal. And then finally, the lack of a process to actually and create an organization on an operation level, like a, how to actually create a team around the owner so that everyone can be in the right seat, performing the right roles with level of accountability and structure, meeting rhythm, feedback and so on, so that we can elevate the owner up the top. So overall, if I was to sum that up for you, Ken, I would say the issue that I see is that we have practitioners coming through and then a business forming around them and then swallowing them up rather than creating a business by design. And what they're lacking when they come to me and what they have a lot of is a lot of desire and a lot of ambition where they want to grow but don't know how. And what they're lacking is a plan to get from where they are in the weeds to rise above it and grow a company which can serve their patients to the same, same level they can without it actually depending on them. And in order to do that, they need systems for marketing, uh, for sales, and then for team management and leadership and daily operations. Now, we've been talking about this for healthcare pr- practitioners for many, many years now. It doesn't seem like it sounds to you, from what I'm hearing from you, that it really hasn't improved, is that they're still dealing with some of the same issues. Absolutely. Yeah, it is the same issues. But interestingly enough, like um, I don't, and you would know this too, Ken, I don't believe it's isolated just to healthcare professionals. And it's funny because I was having a conversation yesterday and the guy I was chatting with was a chiropractor and he's like, hey, I was taught to become a chiropractor, not to run a chiropractic business. And I was like, hey, I totally get that. But you made the choice to become a business owner. So you have a responsibility to then go and learn that. You cannot abdicate that responsibility. Um, and I'm not saying that in an obtuse way, but he's like, yeah, but we don't learn that at university. I was like, well, let me tell you, my father who owned an accounting firm, he was taught how to do spreadsheets and p He wasn't taught how to run an accounting firm, but he had a responsibility to learn how to do that to support us as his family. You know, my best friend who runs a financial planning firm, who I also advise, by the way, he's, um, he wasn't taught how to run a financial planning firm when he graduated from uni, but he was taught how to create financial plans. So I think it's interestingly, like in healthcare, it's almost like this assumption of, hey, we're in healthcare, it's okay not to be good at business. And my answer to that is no, it's not only not okay, it's completely irresponsible and reckless. Like if you're gonna own a business in any field, you have a responsibility to not just be good at the service you're providing, but to be excellent at running the business so that you can serve your team and your community and your customers, clients, and even patients at a higher level. So mm. I, don't, I don't believe it's restricted just to healthcare. Um, I've got colleagues, and, and I'm sure you do as well, Ken, that are um, digital marketers and digital marketing agencies, uh, coaches, consultants, speakers, and so on. And they also have the same blind spots. They're very talented at one or two or three things, but they're not, they're not really across the business side. And my belief is that you need to be as exceptional at running your business as you are at the actual service you provide. Uh, that's my personal belief. Oh, absolutely. And I'd say it's, you know, it's one of the things that we always deal with even here. Uh, example is a lot of coaches use our psychological tools and assessments. Yes. And uh, these coaches, if they kind of as counseling or psychological background, sales is the last word they even want to come out of their mouth. That's uh, right. But, that's, but guess what? That's what you're in every single day. I got in yeah. this industry 32 years ago as a sales trainer. Awesome. So, and of course, 
the mindset is sales equated to this lack of integrity or yeah. lack of of honesty, and that doesn't need to be that way. And so no. I guess what you're saying is I don't want to be equated to quote unquote a salesperson. I'll have to interrupt you. This is your Please. show. But I want to tell a story of many, many years ago, I injured my back. I grew up on a dairy farm. And when I was in my, uh, well, was it my 40s? I guess I was. Uh, I, I barely could walk. The pain was just um, 95% of the time in extreme pain. Wow. I, Sorry to hear I that. couldn't take any, uh, it was lower, you know, belt level. So I went to see this chiropractor and he had... Um, brought into Canada one of the first spinal decompression machines, which I was unfamiliar with. But I have to admit, his sales process, this is the point of the story, was the best I'd ever seen. I, awesome. asked, I tell the story almost in every seminar I do. And it was around, I said, well, Ken, if you got your health back, what would it mean to you? What could you do that you can't do with you, your kids? Like, I couldn't play baseball. I couldn't do any sports. I couldn't do anything right now. I barely even could walk. And he said, what would it mean to you? He says, what's that worth to you? I said, well, sign me up. I, haven't, I didn't even know how much it was going to cost. And it was completely outside of any health care insurance or any kind of programs I had. I had to come with cash and spend thousands of dollars. But he sold me on the value that it was going to create. And, Love it. Uh, and years, months later, I was transformed from 95% in pain to 95% pain-free. So, That's incredible. Uh, so I'm saying to the people that are listening to this and the work that you do, you have to become efficient and proficient in communications. Otherwise, why would you do it? Why would you exactly. have all that long meeting, like you said, for 90 minutes with your friend and come up with nothing on the other end? It's not that you're self-serving or self-centered, but you're really serving others. So that exactly. was like for you and what you're teaching. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And I'll just add another point to that too. Like, if you, it's a, not obviously just about doing that with your patients, but it's about having the skill set to do that with your staff so that you can get them to perform at the same level and knowing what to say and how to say it, what questions to ask and how to handle those, those conversations. And otherwise, you're not going to be able to sell your staff on, on doing their job. Hmm. Well, uh, and absolutely, because everything sales, even selling your um, significant other on what restaurant you're going to go to or what of course. or anything like that. Exactly. Uh, so, so what is the focus of your business now? And you were mentioning, you know, off air before we got onto the show that your, your clients are all global. You have a lot that are in North America as well. That's right. Our listenership. So uh, what, you know, if somebody was just to kind of look on your site or to call you, what is it that you offer and what do you do and who do you do it for? So our promise is to help our clients to double your profits, halve your hours and build a practice that doesn't depend on you. Uh, that's our promise. And the people we serve are obviously in healthcare from physical therapy, chiropractic, dentistry, podiatry, you know, allied health, acupuncturists, um, dietetics, speech pathologists, acupuncture, um, so, um, occupational therapists, and so on. Um, and they work across Australia, New Zealand, United Kingdom, um, US, and Canada. So we had a big range. And our, our goal is to serve them through our high-level coaching program, which is called um, the Practice Acceleration Method. And we show them how to install these processes and we hold them by the hand and we give them my proprietary methods and we help them to install it so that it's not just a matter of giving them information. It's here's the information and here's the process and here's the support and here's the community to make you do that. And currently we have 457 members that we're helping globally and to incorporate 
this process and we've helped over 2,500 to date. We're really proud of the process uh, to the point we even have a, a five times ROI guarantee because um, it's that strong. So we, are, we have, um, in terms of coaching pro, like coaching calls and so on, I think we operate in maybe now 20, 25 coaching calls per month that we run on a global level and our clients can access all of my information 24 hours a day thank, thanks to the internet. And we've also got sta staff over there in the United States and um, here in Australia um, so that we can serve all those time zones to make sure everyone has all the support in the world that they need. Don't you love a virtual workforce? I really do. I really do. That, that said, I've got 10 people here in my physical office with me here in Adelaide and then um, pretty 25 off-site. Mm, cool. So when you think about other content that's in your book, in your process, what can you share with the audience today as we probably have about eight minutes left for our show? Tristan, what would you like to share with the listeners that they can apply, you know, even if I don't own, quote unquote, a healthcare business, but just a business or my life, how can I apply some of these principles that you have, the gems you have in your book? You know, I think it's like, it doesn't, you don't have to be in healthcare to apply these principles at all. Um, but like one thing I would like to add, and I've got a, my first chapter is actually on this, and I call it transforming from clinician to CEO. And I think it could be like, you could change that term to transforming from technician or transforming from operator to CEO or owner. And one of the chapters I talk about is it's like to become full stack, you need to change internal gears. And what I want to add there is if you want to become a successful business owner, then you need to have, at least initially, you need to be the full stack and then ultimately hire other people so you've got the full stack there. Like you need to have an incredible engine room that drives your marketing. You need to have an incredible sales engine room and you need to then back it all up with incredible customer service and obviously service and you need to become a master of numbers so you actually know what's going on at all points in time. So no matter what business you're in, you need to become full stack and your business will grow to a point where obviously you cannot be that person with that skill set anymore. You will, um, you'll have to hire those. But um, my advice would be hire the best people you can find in each of those areas to work for you. And if you cannot, then hire the best people that can train those areas for your team so that you can then develop it so that you can rise above it. So that's a bit of an insight from my book is how do you actually rise from technician or clinician to the owner CEO role. And I think that applies across all businesses, regardless of its healthcare or finance or coaching or otherwise. And for example, in, in my coaching company right now, I personally don't do any coaching. Um, I, uh, I don't do anything actually. Um, I do the strategic direction and that's it. And I do a little bit of training with the sales team and there's experts in every single area so that we've got the full stack, but it's no longer me doing it. We hire the best for those roles so the company can keep growing and supporting me and my business partner without us actually having to be involved and getting down into the weeds at all. So I've done this in healthcare, I've now done it in, in coaching and it's exactly the same principles and that's what I say to people is if you apply this in any business, it will work. Absolutely. And again, it's back to the systems approach. Exactly. Gerber really sort of initiated and then of course the systems that Dan Kennedy was sharing with you and then of course that's pretty cool that you could hang out with Frank Kern not everybody knows him but uh, again well known in the marketing space yeah he's an incredible man where's he located again I forget he's over in Miami yeah so you talk about a little time zone spread spread for you 
Exactly. Yeah, it was a bit of a, like we, we'd fly over there and catch up with Frank. And it's, um, so to do that, we had to fly from Adelaide to Sydney, Sydney to LA, LA to New York, and then New York to Miami. Like it's a pretty big, pretty big journey. But um, I can tell you what, every, every second spent with Frank Kern is very, um, very valuable. Mm, great. Well, uh, we sure appreciate, Tristan, you hanging out with us today. Any final words of wisdom? So, first of all, your uh, site uh, access is practiceacceleration.com. And That's course, correct. And, of course, you can find out about the book there. What's your podcast on? The, the, my podcast is also it's called um, Practice Acceleration, and that can also you can find the link there on my website as well. And what's your podcast on? What are you teaching on? Just the contents of your book? No, we teach, we do a lot of interviews with clients and case studies. We go behind the scenes and we teach what's working right now and what to avoid, um, up and up and coming trends. We share stories of what's happening behind the trenches, what we're working on, and we give a lot of hot tips on how to, to how to grow your business with regards to you know, more cash flow, more profitability, um, showing like the latest marketing trends. And every marketing trend or every marketing tactic I teach, Ken, and one of my mantras is it must not involve me having to leave my laptop. So because I'm an introvert and I want to be able to scale it. So we teach scalable um, marketing and uh, with, a, with a huge focus on um, you know, uh, automation. So you hear a lot about that inside of my podcast. Cool, cool. So what's the last piece of wisdom you want to share with the audience today that would encourage just anybody on the street to go to the next level? Ooh, what can I say to encourage people to go to the next level? Oh, goodness. Um, like, you know, when I look back at um, what we've done here in business, like I was pretty naive getting into it, to be honest. Um, so what I'd say is 100%, like if you have an ambition and you want to achieve more and become more and contribute more and experience more than you are right now, then get out there and make a shift and obviously commit to either growing your current business or set up a new business or quit your job and develop a business. But um, you don't need to bootstrap like I did. Um, you can definitely go out there and get a business loan. Like if I was going to acquire another company right now, like I would definitely acquire that by actually getting financing rather than bootstrapping because it takes a lot of stress and off your back and I'd play the long game. So no matter what you're doing, play the long game and then commit to it. You know, you're not going to get it in one, two, or even maybe three years. Like this is a lifelong commitment. And um, if you're driven by that burning passion, if you wake up every day thinking about business and you just can't switch off, then you owe it to yourself to go out there and get it. Mm. Well, Tristan uh, Bond, thank you for hanging out with us today. Ken, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And next time I'm in Vancouver, I'll definitely look you up. Well, for sure. Now stay on the line with us. So at Secrets of Success listeners, go to practiceacceleration.com, find the book. You know, when you think about it, it's really about systems. It's about owning that space and repeatability and scalability, whatever word we want to use to go to the next level. And I just appreciate that Tristan took the initiative to move out of what he was trained to be, which is a physiotherapist, and to follow this new passion of helping others to realize their potential. As always, if you like what we're doing, please pass it on, share it, leave a positive comment in whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Success. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes.
Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.